Welcome to ATP Fitness Podcast Episode 4 And we're delighted Keen's not here today He managed to take a few days off uh, And we're bringing in uh, Alan Murphy uh, Alan done an interview with ourselves in ATP uh, Not too long ago uh, Just discussing general health uh, But today we're going to cover mental health yeah. Mental health is uh, an area that is still quite a taboo subject and um, what we're hoping from today's podcast is that by the end of it you have a clear understanding of what mental health means and how it affects our all-around health, knowing the difference between the likes of depression, anxiety and stress, some strategies or advice to maybe deal with each of those if you're in one of those situations and having the confidence to maybe reach out and know it's okay to reach out uh, when you need that. So we're delighted to have Alan here and it's going to let Alan give you a little bit of background on himself. So, Alan, thanks for coming. Yeah, you're welcome. It's good to see you again. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of water on the bridge since the last <laughs> time I, I, met, I met you. So, uh, my current job and my new role is uh, head tutor and course coordinator for uh, New Minds Fitness College. Uh, we'll be get, beginning our brand new courses and a whole relaunch in January the 20th. So, uh, under... A, f- a fair bit of pressure to get it all sorted out at the moment. I'm really, really looking forward to it, though. Really looking okay. forward to that. So, I suppose you kind of mentioned, we talked about last day briefly, uh, kind of anxiety, stress, that type of thing, and that kind of set off our next conversation, which led to, to bringing you in here today. Yeah. Uh, mental health today has a massive umbrella. Uh, it's, you know, people use it kind of sporadically to cover a lot of different areas. While it has, which, which I would call very serious side, it has a less serious side, and I think the two tend to get mixed up. Yeah. What What would be your take on, like, you know, people when they just say mental health, or do you have good mental health? How is your mental health? What yeah. do you think that is? It's a bit of a catch-22, I think, because if you go back years ago, there was a stigma around mental health, so nobody spoke about anything. So people suffered all the time, and they really were suffering. Uh, now we sort of lifted the veil on all that, and we we sort of, you know, went over the line and beyond the line. So it is doesn't have the exact stigma that was attached to it before, but a sort of it has it has moulded itself to something that it probably isn't either. Now I'm very aware that I could say something that somebody might take offence to. There's nothing we can do about this, is there? Do you know what I mean? You can't please all the people all the time. But when you know, if I if I meet you in a fitness capacity and say, "How's training going? How's your body, or whatever?" I'm talking about your physical health, right? Yeah. You said to me, "Yeah, great." Like I said to you earlier, you know, I'm sleeping well got a good sex drive. All the markers, say, for men and then the individual markers for women that would represent having good physical health. Yeah. yeah. Not just weight loss, yeah. as we talked about all this before yeah. anyway. Um, but when people talk about mental health, they usually sort of attach to it something being wrong. So I've often heard people saying, he's got mental health, she's got mental health. We all have mental health. Mental health just refers to our well-being, like our physical well-being, what we're talking about our mental well-being. Everybody has it. Where is it at? Good, bad, indifferent or whatever. You know, so you want to be very careful of just referring to the word mental health as almost something is wrong. I, I completely agree. Uh, like I said, when I say, are we experts to be able to speak about this thing? But like, who is an expert? Oh, listen, you I know? mean, this, this is the thing. I, you know, you know, I've gone through my own uh, issue. 2008 wasn't a good year for me. Um, uh, that's, uh, you know, I dealt with it very well and, 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 and that has, I look back on it now and I realise it was, I, I'm so glad that it, it had happened because it has led me to, you know, a huge area of interest for me, researching, following the best people in the world, looking at the psychophysiology of it, um, uh, researching and, and then being able to help other people, you know, because the, in Ireland, Look, it has to be said, we're a little bit backward with this still. We're still a bit backward. Somebody will go to a doctor, say to the doctor, and it's, look, it's not the doctor's fault either. They're, a doctor's education is basically to prescribe medication. I don't know what other way to, to, to describe that. Yeah. And that is what they will do if you walk into the doctor today and say, I am experiencing like a racing mind or whatever, whatever, whatever. They will give you a, a benzodiazepam of, of some form of tranquilizer, like a Valium. Uh, they will give you something like Xanax or something like that. And that is all very fine if, in my opinion, you are doing something to get you on the road to recovery, so a full recovery program. The same way, if you were out today and you fell over in the street and you busted your head wide open and it required 10 stitches and you said to me, I'm going to put a plaster on that. And I'd be like, yeah, and we won't be able to see it, uh, but there is a gaping hole in your forehead that you need to close up, which is fine to cover it up if you're planned to go and get it stitched up. Do you get me? Yeah, the thing with the health in general, so uh, one, a course I'm doing at the moment, 
recently as part of a homework to <coughs> if, what five things would I do if I had full control of the country to improve health in Ireland, okay? And one of the things I said would be a cross-border synergised between doctors, you know, like health experts, but even PTs and nutritionists across the board to try and really tackle issues more so than just go, here's the problem, here's the medication for the problem. Like, do you think, do you think it will ever go that way? So what you're describing is the word holistic. Yeah. So you're taking all the component parts and bringing them together. It's a bit like if you have a pain in your back, you go to the doctor, he will give you a painkiller. If you go to a physio, they will give you physio. Yeah. If you go to a chiropractor, they will give you manipulation. If you go to an aromatherapist, they will give you aromatherapy. So people will always do uh, for that issue what they are trained to do. Unfortunately, in the area that we're talking about, people believe that the doctor has all of the answers and that they think that the book stops with them, that they are the only answers. So what you're saying is correct, which is what I've been saying for years, which is to take a holistic approach all round. Now, I mean, look, we could talk about this for months on end. We really could. But if your lifestyle... So, so we, we get people all the time saying, oh, I'm suffering for this, I'm suffering for this, I'm suffering for this. And you sit down, you talk to them, and you realise your lifestyle is excessive alcohol, which they don't think is excessive. You don't sleep enough. You don't exercise enough. You don't eat enough. How do you expect your body to be functioning in homeostasis? This is something I think definitely people don't don't un- understand or get or choose not to accept is that every study, every bit of research that's been done shows very clearly, and this is for diseases and for just general health, that if you look after your body then that's going to bring on a healthier mind, okay? One, yeah. one of the issues we have is that people, as you said, are drinking more, they're smoking, they're not exercising, not understanding that if I do these other things, this could help my mental health, you know? They just think, I'm in this, this funk and I can't get out of it and not knowing there's action you can take to get out of it. Like, yeah. yeah, but you see, the other, th- the, the other side of then we have as well is that people are, o- are sort of over-treating everything. So I have a pain, so I must take a painkiller. I feel emotional, so I must take either, you know, antidepressants, some sort of Valium, Xanax, something to calm me down. People forget, forget that your body is programmed. You're, all of us, in all of us, we are, we are mostly programmed to be healthy. We are. That's the way it is. Yeah. The majority of the human race is healthy. Now, when something happens to us, if, if somebody belonging to you dies... Be it whether it's a family member, a pet, you lose your job, something, you know, specific and traumatic happens to you, and you don't feel particularly well. That is normal. I think that, that is normal that, for you to feel this. Your your body will do the things that it needs to do to try to bring you back again. But if we keep trying to regulate everything that happens to us as it's happening, bang, 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 every single thing, treat every, treat every single thing, we sort of don't know where we're at. I think coping you know? mechanisms, lack of control are areas that really kind of set people off in, in this downward spiral. Uh, and you touched on it there. I think just I can speak a little bit on personal experience. For me, you know, I had a traumatic experience six years ago. My mother suddenly passed away from a heart attack at 49. Yeah. Unexpected, would I say unexpected? Maybe not. She was a really unhealthy woman, uh, but she wasn't ill per se beforehand. And as you said there, like the emotion that comes with that is mixed completely you don't really know what's happening what you, you kind of your world kind of comes in around you slightly yeah. but I think how you deal with it is massive and everybody is completely different I get that but for me like only kind of really recently I realised that I first ran away from it so that was like I can't control what's happening here I can't control how I'm feeling so I ended up fecking off to Australia uh, not too long after it happened but like for me it was I was going travelling but I wasn't, I was getting away from the problem, I didn't want to speak to my family and my friends about it and whatever, you know. And it wasn't until I came back and got like only recently got a bit of counselling and that for me was a turning point where I can have a conversation with my sister about my mother, I can have a conversation about my dad, about how he's doing. That, that, that took me six years. So, but like, I was in a really bad place for, for a long period of time but 
because of I class myself as having a positive mindset, yeah. I was able to try and stay in that that area of like, okay, this has happened, but we we will get we will get past it. What about people who when this when so when this traumatic event happens and they don't have this positive mindset? Because people say it's easy for me. I'm like, no, it's fucking not. It's like no, every day I have to walk, easy. I have to no. walk in my head every single day, you know. But but people who are in a a less positive or a, a, a bad mindset and this happens like is that where the spiral you feel can can happen yeah you see it depends it all depends on on the specific situation so anybody listening to this with whatever they are going through is going to be specific to them you know so it's very hard to say something that covers a blanket with a blanket statement that covers everything I and mean, that's across the board but health yeah. which is one of the biggest issues you 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 know look we we know that when we don't sleep properly that our health is affected when our physical health is affected, it will eventually affect our mental health. When our mental health is affected, it will eventually affect our physical health. Because we, we, we are programmed to sort of be holistically healthy. Um, what, uh, you know, what you went through, that's okay. Yeah, but I think to, to understand that's okay is one of the hardest things for, yeah. was for me to accept. Yeah. And also somebody might listen here and understand that it is okay to have mixed feelings of sadness, of anger, of you know, ang- yeah. you know, not knowing what to do. That initially for me wasn't okay to underfeel that and like so I can see why people might think oh, I need to be I need to feel happy, I need to feel better, I need to get past this. And like yeah. you, you never get past it. You just no. deal with it every no, no. day. You know? And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be better. Like I mean, you know, th- that is that's the premise of, of what we do. Um you know, w- when your mom passed away, you wanted to be okay. Yeah. You wanted to be able to look back on the memories without being emotionally invested in, oh my God, this loss. Yeah. But you had to go through what you went through to get to where you are. I completely agree. As in like, if, if I didn't have those, I wouldn't be here now looking yeah. at looking going, oh, that was okay then. But at the time in it, it was like, holy shit, I goes yeah. like, and, and what I was doing was not thinking about her because of how I would have felt. Whereas now it's great that like, like a song used to come on the radio, I turn off the radio. Whereas now yeah. I play the song, like things yeah. like that have just like, yeah. and that, but again, that took me to realise and I know it can be hard for people in the moment to see like it will get it will, it will get, get better. better it will 100% it will get better. It, you know it's for me I know I'm getting a bit morbid here now, but like death is a part of life like you know it and I think if you if you accept that rather than your whole world ending when somebody yeah. dies is that you know it's just kind yeah. of understanding that like you know what I mean yeah, I think yeah. it's important and I mean you know it's very easy you know, I haven't experienced the death of somebody that close to me so I believe that as people, one of the greatest things and gifts we ever have, the, the, the greatest gift we have is the power of our own mind. And the se- I think probably the second greatest gift we have is the ability to help others. And you have gone through what you've gone through. And it would be an awful shame that you would never get to use that to help somebody else going through the same thing. I completely agree. And for me, as, as, I there's positive and negatives to it. But uh, again, my business partner, my own partner, my family kind of knew all the time and never said anything. But for the last three or four years, I've had a fire in my belly to really help people yeah. to be so my mother was like morbidly obese smoked drank yeah. you know, she had depression uh, so like I've dealt with that but for me it's like I don't want somebody else I want to help somebody or prevent somebody from being there that's given me the fire to like I've kind of turned this massive negative in my life to a, to a positive yeah. and it says sometimes I can be overzealous and you know, uh, sort of trying to get people to change and be healthier but like that's something you can take like something that bad happens you can make it a positive you know what yeah. I mean if, if you work on it so that for me was a real change in point of why these podcasts are happening, why ATP is happening, that kind of stuff. Like yeah. I mean, so yeah. it's it's just good to know that you can get out of the funk. Like you know, yeah. I was never depressed. I, I don't. Yeah. I, I, I said well, that, yeah, I, I I think I think yeah, because people talk about the word depression all the time, right? And and the, the one the one thing that will come back at me is, oh, you're not a doctor. And I'm like, well, thank God I'm not. Yeah, thank God I'm not. I don't want to be, um, but. There's the the manifestation of depression. And I'm not talking about clinical depression, like chemical imbalance in the brain that requires medication, psychiatric treatment, and all that kind of thing. It, that depression manifests itself in many different ways in people. So some people start to fall off the rail and and they give up their job because they're not able to cope. Some people work more. Some people some people overeat. Some people stop eating. So it, it has many ma- manifestations as uh, to the individual person how they deal with everything. And you know, I think. There's probably very basic things that I would say to anybody that's in a situation. And that is that, number one, it isn't the end. It isn't ever the end. Number two, there is help available to you always. Always. And number three, it will be okay. Yeah, and like, 
the second one there, help available. This is something still in ATP. It's so we have good uh, relations with physios and all these kind of things. Okay, one area personally we are still kind of struggling with is to create a good relationship with with counselors because we we I said like you we all said to PTs like especially our own PTs like oh, I have ten years experience now but like staying in your lane is important to a certain extent. You can help people as much as you feel comfortable to help people, but if, if someone comes to you and you think they, they need more than help, it's like, who do you send them who to? Who do you send them to, yeah. How do you feel is a good way to create those relationships of like, because like, for me, it's a trust. If you tell a client, okay, look, I think you need to speak to somebody about this, uh, how do you find people? Do you have any tips to find people? Where are the people, basically? Is what I'm trying to I think it depends on the issue. Yeah. Like, I really do. I think it depends on the issue. Like, my whole area of interest is 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 the treatment of anxiety disorders. So whether you're talking about, you know, generalised anxiety disorder called GAD, GAD, whether you're talking about anxiety-driven fears, phobias, panic attacks, panic disorder, PTSD, all of those, um, and OCD and Puro. That's my area of interest. Uh, people don't like to hear it but though that those particular issues don't respond well to, 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 to traditional counselling, okay. yeah, they need specific type of therapy. So knowing that will help that person that they're not going to the wrong place. Yeah, do you get me? Because you've had um, people who said like uh, who've gone to counselling that I've trained and they just didn't get anything, didn't get anything from it. Isn't necessarily the counsellor's fault? Maybe not. Maybe they're just versed in one in one way yeah. that they know, as you said yeah. about the. Physio doing the physio that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, the thing know. about ter- therapy as well is, and any good therapist will tell you this, and it's like PTing, it's like anything. Sometimes people are not compatible. It doesn't take away from their professionalism as a therapist, it doesn't take away from the person themselves who's going to them. It just means they are not compatible to each other. And a good therapist will say to somebody, I think I should send you to somebody else. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like, again, as you said, like a PT, it's like if someone wants to be a, a bodybuilder or a powerlifter and you don't, you're not versed in that, then if you're a good PT, send them on. you'll send them on to somebody else, like, you know? Send them on. Yeah. Like, what do you feel as someone who's kind of really, like, you, you're interested in anxiety, could you, could you, for people listening, everybody is stressed and everyone has, has, has stress in their life, we understand this, and it's a huge part of health as well. Yeah. But the difference between anxiety <clears throat> and stress, because I don't, like some people might not know. Yeah. There's a correlation between anxiety and stress because if you're going to be stressed, you're going to experience anxiety for an array of physiological symptoms, psychological reasons and psychological reasons or whatever. So let's start with stress. So, so stress, if you ask most people on the road, if we were to do like a family fortunes, I've surveyed 100 people on the street and asked them what is stress, I would probably bet that most people will say stress is when they feel overwhelmed. They feel that something is really, really bothering them. But that's only one side of stress. That, that would probably be referred to as distress, right? So I can't cope. I'm overwhelmed. I'm snowed under. I'm not able to deal with this. This is too much for me. It's intrusive. It's affecting my life. I can't sleep. We've got the other side of stress then that's good for us that we also need, which is called eustress. Eustress. That's the stress that brings the best out in you. That is the stress that drives you to be better. It challenges you. It lights you up. So when you, you pick a goal of something that you're thinking, how am I going to achieve this? I don't know. I'm going to go about finding the ways that I need to do it. Be it whether it's, you know, gym goals, business goals, money goals, relationship goals, whatever it is. That eustress drives you to be better. That's a type of stress. That's a good stress. This stress is a bad stress. So now we've got to differentiate between the two, which we just did. Mm-hmm. But we've got to understand that we need stress. Yeah. Like not all stress look is at bad. Somebody, look at somebody in their life who has nothing to bother them. So they don't have any worries. They also don't have any excitement. Floaters. Yeah, like really coasting, you know, yeah. like in the cars in neutral and it's just flying along the road, you it's know. Seven, it, will come to a, it will come to a stop. Yeah, at some point, I personally, it's because I'd, I'd be goal driven, I'd be the opposite to that. But we, me and Keen always discuss this. A lot of people, we, we say, we think sometimes we're like, are they just happy to just, just float by, just, just get by day by day, going to work, clocking in, clocking out. For me, there has to be a point in your life where you kind of go, hmm. I don't know, like, am I happy with everything? That's, it's usually when you get to, I think, like for 40, 50, kind of looking back on, you know, was I happy just clocking in and clocking out? Like, I think having a bit of eustress is very important. Uh, oh, listen, it's so important. Mm. You, listen, you have got to want to get up in the morning. 
Yeah. And if you don't want to get up in the morning, your job is to find a reason to get you up in the morning. And I don't care. Listen, when it comes to these things, sometimes people need a come to Jesus meeting, as I call it. They need a kick in the ass and they need to stop with the excuses. We could all find excuses, but they need to stop. Yeah. You need to take control and you need to get going. Now, that's easy to say and not as easy to do. So it depends on any body, like, for example, you're much further along the road than that. Way, 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 way further along the road than that. But there could be somebody who's listening to this right now who's at that point. No, there's there's ways and means of fixing that. Yeah. Yeah? But but you can never help somebody who doesn't want to help themselves. That's Like anything, you've got, they have got to have the want to change. And when they have then somebody like you somebody like me regardless of what aspect it is of their lives that we can change we now have the sort of the impetus to change That's where and we can guide them comes from me and me, uh, my, my poor business partner Key and puts up with me I have this drive look I know what it's down to now and I'm trying to build something to educate people to, to help them to live, to live longer but I want people to change whereas Kean may pulls me back in he's like Ian the only people we can help as you just said are the ones who want to change yeah. Now, you can do a lot of things if you're clever, so a, a trained person, a, a well-trained person, somebody who's really good with people. Like, remember I said, I, like you were on, you, you did your course with me and I'm sure I said to you at some stage or other, and this is going on, this is a long time ago, but I always say that 80, at least 80% of your success in your life, regardless of what your job is or how good you are at it, is your ability to deal with other people. So therefore, and especially when it comes to coaching, so a lot of people are really good at their job, but they are not good at coaching. They just can't deal with people. So when you, so what what a good coach or good person will do is they will, they will see where this person is at. They will find the smallest little seed and that's what you go after because if you're very good you will be able to light the fire in that person for the person to realise what they need to do and it makes it feel like it was their idea yeah is this making yeah, sense? Yeah, so, so that and, and that is what a good coach will do. So it's not about saying, do it or don't do it. I don't care. Yeah. It's about going, this person really needs help. I can only help somebody who wants to help themselves. What can I do to make them realise that they want to help themselves? Do that. It's that realisation. Because as I said, everyone has it. Everyone gets up in the morning for a reason. Some reason doesn't mean it's health. Doesn't like doesn't mean it's to, to be fitter. It could be for their family. It could be to progress their own. But they get up in the morning, and there's a reason they get up. But some people don't acknowledge that's the reason. I often ask people, "Do you have any goals?" And I've been told, "Like no, I've no goals." I'm like, "Yes, you do. You're working for some for some reason here, you know." And it's trying to identify and get people to identify yeah, yeah. that that this is your reason. This is this is your why. Like you know what yeah. I mean. But if somebody said to me they had no goals, I'd say, "Well, your goal is to find a goal." Then yeah, bang, there you go. That's what you need to do. You can, I mean, listen. Uh, one of the greatest things I've ever done and I've said this so many times was uh, up until this year um, and for the last number of years I used to go to a hospital every Sunday night and I used to visit the lady there's these particular three ladies uh, that I used to visit every single week um, in the hospital now unfortunately over the last year they've all passed away Um, and I used to spend an hour with them every Sunday night and the contrast of life that you get from them is amazing. So you can think you know stuff and you talk to somebody who's 80, 90 or more. One of them was about 97. And to listen to them and then to realise that, you know what, you're all, you've, you've got all of this, all things equal, you've got all this time. I understand that people can get yeah. sick, whatever. But you've got all this time to get to here and it makes you think to yourself, jeez, like, why would you ever waste any of that? You know, so I think one of the greatest things you could probably ever do is talk to a five-year-old and talk to an old person and you'll get two aspects of life and you're sitting somewhere in the middle of them. And it's amazing. It's very hard for me to articulate what I took out of it. I I find it hard to put into words I took out of it. It's almost like certain light bulb moments of, I remember asking them individually, not together, what piece of advice would you give to me? Now, listen, it's not like I'm really young, like I'm nearly 40, but I'm young, right? Mm. But what piece of advice would you give to me? And they all said, independently of each other, don't worry. Don't stop worrying. Yeah. Everything will start to work out the way it should. Now, I get that. That doesn't mean that I can sit around and do nothing and everything will work out the way it should. It just means sort of remove the worry and there's probably a bit more clarity in what it is that you're trying to do. Yeah, I think when you something know? happens, 
that's our first go to. It's like panic stations. If something happens that we're, un, we're not in control of or we, we don't know what's really happening, we panic straight away. We're like, we don't know what to do. And almost all of the time, as time passes, a couple of hours passes, a couple of days passes, you realise you can deal with this situation. So yeah. it's when that initial yeah. panic comes on, it's, it's knowing what that emotion is and actually identifying that. I think a lot of people will struggle to identify emotions. Yeah. I think we all know what happy and sad is, but I think when it comes to... Something in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. People kind of, what is this? And, and we can't yeah. handle this. Yeah. One area I think, it's definitely happening in, in schools, which is great to see. Uh, people are talking more about this. I, I have a teacher or a friend of mine who kind of really talks about mindset and emotions in her classes. She's an art teacher. She, and I think she's fantastic, some of the work she's doing. But... On the, on the school kids uh, and anxiety, uh, so we know anxiety is can be a crippling, okay? Yeah. But from speaking to some of my school teacher clients, uh, a lot of a lot of kids now are identifying with anxiety way more than ever before, and some are getting some needless like some notes from mothers saying, "Don't give my son homework because he's getting anxiety." Like, surely there's there's a line where it is anxiety, and it's just like I said big one here for me just is like the WHO I've written down here is the mental health is a state of well-being in which every individual realises his or own potential this is the line can cope with the normal stresses of life do you know what are they do you know that teenagers today can they cope with normal stresses of life or are they being with the normal are they the normal stresses of life but now they're being upgraded to anxiety yeah one of the there's loads in what you just said there. Yeah. One of the great, one of the greatest, and I can't remember who said this quote, but it was a quote that I read years ago, which is the reason why we are experiencing so much in the way of mental health issues is because we are doing today's work with yesterday's tools. That means we are programmed to be cave people. And in the last sort of what hundred or hundred whatever amount of years since currency and money came into play we now have got to get up and we've got to do things in return for money which allows us to buy things and in a lot of cases that makes life very stressful for us because some people are good at it and some people are not so good at it and you know, so it's a good statement we we, 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 we we're probably evolving so maybe 10,000 years from now the things that people are struggling with now they won't struggle with because we'll have evolved to overcome them Lord knows what their issues in 10,000 years from now yeah. will be, right? Um, the other thing as well is, like, we talk about anxiety all the time. And I ask somebody, what is anxiety? Yeah. And I can't really give a definition. And people say, oh, it's an emotion. Anxiety is not an emotion. Anxiety is a response to the emotion of fear. That's what it is. Yeah. Right? Now, people say, I have anxiety. You have to have anxiety. You couldn't live. You would be dead very soon if you didn't have anxiety. If somebody walked into the studio with the two of us in here right now and, and had a lion or, or something on a leash and left them off, mm. we need anxiety to activate our fight or sp- flight response to get the hell out of here or the two of us will try and take them down. Yeah. We, if we're walking across the road and all of a sudden, you know, a car comes around the corner, high speed or something like that, you need anxiety to get out of the way. The issue is that fight or flight response we've now created uh, emotionally in our head that same anxiety but we're creating we events you're creating an event that has not happened yeah. uh, but you're still creating that same yeah. physiological response so, so that so, so now what we're trying to do is we're trying to differentiate between anxiety which we have to have and anxiety disorder a response to the emotion of fear which is inappropriate when no anxious response stimulus is present it's really good now so now what we have is we have responses to anxiety without the stimulus. So let's say you and I are walking across the road, a car comes around the corner at 100 miles an hour and we're like, get the hell out of the way. And we get out of the way, we get to the side of the road, we're safe. Now, what are we experiencing? Our hearts are bang, 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 like this. They're going crazy. Our pupils are dilated, yeah? You could have peed yourself. You could have pooped yourself, yeah? You could vomit, yeah, because these are all fight or fight or flight responses. Now, nowadays it referred to as fight, flight, or freeze, right? So some people will freeze. Yeah. Um, fight or flight. In other words, um, the you had no control over it. Your body took you over there and then. You didn't say heart, 
go faster. Yeah. You said, it took you over. It is the primal, it is the instinctual part of you that took you over. It is innate. You are born with it. Yeah, right? Now, a lot of people wonder why you know why do I why do I vomit when I have why do you vomit when your body goes into fight or flight mode? It need thing. It says I must get out of this situation now. If you have food in your stomach, your body will say I will run faster without that food. Vomit. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. You have you need to poop. You, there's poop sitting somewhere inside you, right? I'll be able to run faster if that's gone out of me. Yeah, you poop yourself. Yeah. Or you pee yourself. You don't have control of You've that, no that control. situation. Like. Your heart rate comes up because your body's preparing you for this flight or fight. Yeah. Yeah. Your pupils dilate. Your 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 Maybe sense of hearing, your sense of sight become more so it can pick up because we're programmed as I said to be cave people so we're walking down the road and instead of the car coming around the corner it's a saber-toothed tiger comes out of the bushes or we think it is and our body goes into fight or flight mode and then it suddenly is a rabbit and we're like yeah. now take all of those symptoms and the racing mind and, and by the way anxiety response can be individual to each person yeah. so there's no point in googling it yeah. because don't it'll google be individual anything. don't ever google anything the doctor yeah. google is not there for people yeah. with anxiety and if, especially if you suffer anxiety n- n- never ever Google anything. Now, so imagine experiencing those things when there's no anxiety. So you're sitting at home, you're watching TV, sitting down with your girlfriend, your boyfriend, or whatever, you're sitting there, and the next minute, you feel like, so I'm talking about panic attack or something like that, which is which is a form of anxiety disorder. Um, and you're sitting there, and it starts to well up inside and you're like, you know, and then the next minute you're, you're shallow breathing because your body's preparing you to fl- to, for, to to flight, fight or flight. Um, you, you start to sweat. You don't know what the hell has happened to you. Racing heart, you, you, you know, like you, you go pale because all the blood drops out of you and all this kind of stuff. You don't know what the hell. And it can culminate in, 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 a, in, in a panic attack. Yeah. Right? Anxiety is like a scale from one to 100. Down here at one, we have things like blushing when somebody talks to you. Going a little bit red in your cheeks. Yeah. Form of anxiety, harmless. 100, severe full-blown panic disorder. And then we've got all the areas in between. Now, the person who experiences these things starts to Google. So on the Google there, and they're like, rapid heartbeat. And then and then it comes up like, you know, WebMD, 20 reasons yeah. why you get rapid so, heart rate. And then it says in there... Um, could be having heart failure. Yeah. Oh my and God. So then, now my anxiety has gone up again and then the person's like, right, symptoms of heart failure yeah. and then they'll see one that resonates with what they've just experienced and the whole, and this is what is known as like the anxiety uh, sort of cycle or trap yeah. and it goes around and around. We also have where you've got somebody who's suffering from anxiety, anxiety disorder who doesn't necessarily have panic attack but they have inappropriate anxiety on a daily basis. Okay, so when they wake up in the morning, they just wake up and for a couple of seconds you're fine and then this feeling of dread begins to fill up inside you and it's like dread. What, like what, what is, like where, where does that come okay. from? I know it's in an individual yeah. case, but it's so more. Right, I'll, t- I'll tell you, I'll come back to that now in two seconds, okay. right? If I forget, remind me. But they wake up, they feel like they have th- this feeling of dread. They're like, nothing wrong. I feel dreadful. And then they start to think about it. Because they start to think about it, the anxiety begins to rise. When the anxiety begins to rise, it's firing off other sensations. Never use the word symptoms when it comes to anxiety. The word symptom is not correct. Symptom means a a sign of or something that goes with an illness or a condition. Okay. Now, yes, you could say anxiety is a condition, but I prefer to refer to them as uh, sensations. They are mean nothing. That is why I call them sensations. They mean nothing. We can get to that later as well. Yeah. What did you ask me a second ago? So, oh, where does it come where from? Where does it come from, yeah. Like, I know. There, there, is, there, is, there is a little, you know the rev counter in your car? Yeah. And you know when you're driving along and, and, and you change through the gears, the rev counter comes up and drops back down again. Now, you know when you put your car into neutral and you press the accelerator and the rev counter goes... Yeah. Now, if you were to open the bonnet in your car and look in there, when you're revving the car, the oil is going to be burning faster. The t- I know nothing, right, about cars. Yeah. I love cars, but I don't know about the internal workings yeah. of them. Yeah, I like the outside of them yeah. and I like how they drive and stuff. Yeah. But like, you know, oil will be burning faster, the belts will be going faster, the temperature will be coming up, it'll be using fuel and all those things. That's like your body firing off all the s- sensations. Mm. Now, in your brain, 
the anterior part of your brain, you've got this little, now it can't be considered a gland. It is, you've got this, let's call it a little thing, just to make it easier. Yeah. You've got this little thing called the amygdala. Yeah, the emotion. A-M-Y-G-D-A-L-A, amygdala. The amygdala is like the response or control centre for anxiety and the expression of anxiety and the control of anxiety and so on, right? We make, now this is really, really comp- complex, but we'll just make it easy. Yeah. Now, Somebody who wakes up like this every day, because this will get worse over time and can culminate in, anxi- in, in, in panic attacks and stuff like that, or panic disorder, their rev counter is too high. Right? Well, people don't know enough to be able to get the help that they need to treat it. All they do is they focus on the, on the physiological and psychological sensations which are firing off from that rev counter being too high. Yeah. Yeah. Now, anxiety can give you, like, we could talk for hours on the on the on anxiety symptoms. You you can look them up. Don't look them up. But there's a book. There's a book from the American Psychiatric Society called the DSM five, and that is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual five fifth edition, um, wh- that doctors will use to diagnose somebody with these particular issues because it's all based around mental health. With the with right? anxiety, just yeah. on so. People who don't have it have never had it, never experienced it. Inappropriate anxiety, yeah. Yeah. So, and people who who have who have had it, the stigma of you look at somebody who might be has anxiety and is having panic attacks, and they might find it hard to understand. Do you know why? Like, what's like? Why? But, why aren't but, but you, think, but think about it. What is happening to you is normal for the circumstances, but people don't know the circumstances. When you thought you were being knocked down crossing the road, you didn't worry about the rapid heartbeat and all the things that went with it because you're like, that's because the car was coming at me. But when there's no reason for it, then people enter into this anxiety cycle. Why is it happening? What's happening to me? Is there something wrong with me? Google. Google this symptom. Google that symptom. Google this symptom. Then it tells you that there's something wrong with you. Oh, I saw the word cancer. Oh, I saw the word... And oh, I saw the word whatever. And it spirals out of control. But, get this. How do we get to that point? If you behave for whatever reason, anxiously, for long enough, your brain, your subconscious brain that is the part of you that operates without you having to think about it. Your subconscious brain can only say, yes. It will pick up this as your normal behaviour and it will make you behave like this. But you're thinking, it's my brain, my brain wouldn't do that to me, but it will. We talk about, even in success, development of business, goals and everything, we talk about the subconscious brain. We start to rewire how we think and people call that their sort of attitude or their 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 mental give me another word their, their, attitude. Their, their, yeah like and, and this is how this person thinks so they develop a really good attitude about everything really what that is is doing the same thing over and over again until it becomes instinctual and that is us yeah that is us now yeah. right but that works with everything it's so your subconscious brain cannot differentiate between what is good for you and what is bad for you it just gives you what you ask of it yeah. so if you behave now you, of course you could get the catalyst for that which could be bereavement it could be addiction it could be loss of, of a job breakdown of a relationship or whatever okay and then and then all those things and be left with the anxiety disorder yeah Right, so 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 it's it's like driving the car or using your new mobile phone. Like think about when somebody learns to drive a car. How difficult is it to learn to drive? Think about yeah, it. It vicious. really is. My dad difficult. is literally fifty-seven. Never drove. Getting sick. He's after six lesson. I've gone out and rode with him, and Listen. I watch him, and I'm like, I remember how scared I was going twenty kilometers an hour. And that that again, that's yeah. that's what we're going to call the distress yeah. that we kind of want because he want he wants to rewire the brain yeah. to, and eventually you're changing gears without thinking, and you know that kind but, of thing but happens exactly. So so which is exactly the point that I'm making, which is, you know, if you don't know how to drive, you sit into a car right now, put on your seatbelt, fix your seat, you put on your indicator, and then you got to turn the steering wheel, you got to push put put it into gear, and let the hand break down, and let out the clutch at the same time as I'm pushing in the pushing the accelerator, but not too much because the car will go yeah. forward or can't go. I got to look in this mirror as well. My indicator's on. I got to make sure there's nothing coming behind me, nothing coming that way. I mean, that's an overload of your senses. But now think about all the years you've been driving. How much did that challenge you today to drive? It didn't. So your subconscious brain picked up how to drive because that's what we do. That's how we learn um, through repetition. 
So your subconscious brain picked up and learned to drive. Now you could even do other things while you were driving. Yeah. You, you could listen you to be, a music. Well, uh, or you could listen to a song. You could yeah. even pick up the lyrics of a song yeah. while you're driving because now it is no longer challenging your conscious brain to drive because it's gone into your subconscious brain. Yeah. So when you behave with anxiety and, you, and for whatever reason, and the reason doesn't matter, you behave anxious for long enough, the subconscious brain will go, all right, so this is how you want to behave. Now, I'm making this really sort of yeah. um, basic. basic. Yeah. So this is how you want to behave. Brilliant. Push that into the subconscious brain there. And now every day you wake up and your brain is going, no, we, we, must, we, must, we must do this. And then when you don't behave like that, it's giving you reasons why to behave yeah, like that. That's explained and, very well, to be honest. You know, uh, and, 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 and I mean, like, like I was saying earlier, some of the the physical and psychological sensations or experiences of anxiety are horrific. Yeah. And people will never believe when you tell them, this is anxiety, actually. Yeah. They will say, it can't be. I have seen um, um, sort of case studies. Um, some of the psychological ones are worse than the physical because the physical is like rapid heartbeat, yeah. oh, I'm sweating or whatever. But the psychological are horrific and can be horrific. So, for example, somebody's sitting at home and they're sitting next to their... And I, like, this is what happens. So, so I'm not trying to, you know, uh, scare people or nothing like that. This is what happens and it might help somebody who experienced this. So, sitting at home and sitting next to their child or something like that and they will their anxiety disorder will cause them to have a thought that they might harm or sexually abuse their child. Now, will that cause anxiety in your brain? Yes. What's your subconscious brain want you to do? Be anxious because you've told it that you want to be anxious by, by, by accident. You've told it you want to be anxious, picked up and it's now firing off things. And now the person is in a state saying, I would never do that to my child. I would never do it. And then they're in a state and then they start Googling that or whatever. But it is anxiety because it's never going to give you a thought that doesn't cause you anxiety. It'll yeah. give you a thought that will cause you the most anxiety. Yeah. And to harm your child physically or sexually will, will, will cause horror to any parent. I've asked people before uh, and and it's something I definitely bring up in schools is I'm like if I was to ask you who do you speak to the most on a daily basis and most people are like oh this person like that person like it's like no yourself you speak to yourself every single oh, yeah. minute of the day and if you don't have a, if you have a bad conversation with yourself then it's exactly that you become that if you tell yourself I'm I'm I'm, not, I'm a horrible person I'm fat I, I'm not fit I, I I'm not healthy I'm not a nice person if you tell yourself enough times what you just said there you know have told your brain your subconscious brain that you're that you're this yeah it behaves you know so it's it's so important that conversation that yeah. narrative you have with yourself is yeah. is is yeah. a positive one and the thing I would say is and I'm talking about from many different perspectives here not just anxiety disorder but your brain will always try to realign you with your subconscious pattern. They're like neural pathways in your brain which you develop through repetition. It takes probably a thousand times to learn something instinctually, 10,000 times to unlearn it. Yeah. Therefore, unlearning it is not an option. Learning something else is an option yeah. to do that instinctually to overcome the previous behaviour. People have this fear that they, that they can't change. Like, they, they, people will think, like, you know, I've always been this way, I've always, this is how it's been, I can't change. Like, it's this... It's that frustration for me. It's like, yes, you can. It's, it's, it's not me being a positive person. It's me seeing people yeah. in my, in my yeah. career who have completely transformed and changed their lives, yeah. you know, yeah. both physically and mentally. Yeah. I, think, I, think, I think people who transform themselves in terms of work, goals and everything, that is one thing. People who are stuck in an anxiety disorder, it's horrific. Yeah. I have massive respect for those people who come out of that for the simple reason is it is like living in hell like, to be honest I, I think a, co a close cousin of mine I uh, hope he doesn't mind me saying you know, is a reformed alcoholic yeah. uh, really he's really, one of my best friends but I never know how he felt or what he went through. Yeah, he's now, like, in my opinion reformed he's, you'll always have the fear of, of you know, being an alcoholic but for me the, the one thing that I took from him is that Ian, when you're in it, like, 
if someone else wants you to do it, you're never going to do it. Like he, he, you know, he, he came off the drink and relapsed and said, you know, a couple of times. And then eventually he just figured like, I don't know, he, he needed to change himself. And it was only at that point that he really did start to change because he was on medication. He was, he was drinking regularly and he realized like, you know, this, this isn't going to end well. And it was that moment. But like what is mental is to think that five or six times doing it for other people or other people shouting at you or giving out, just saying, you need to do this. You need to be that way. And it really it wasn't until that point that you, and like it's like trying to identify people that you first have to do it for yourself like regardless of, of where you're at and until you do it for yourself you're you're going to just fall back into that yeah. wagon like of, of, yeah. of what you were doing before but what is the relapse the relapse was the return to the implemented or the instinctual behaviour yeah because you see it's so much easier to behave that way than it is to behave a new way and try to adopt that new way because that new way requires conscious thinking yeah. on a continuous basis until it becomes subconscious in the book uh, Zebra, Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers uh, <laughs> yeah. 22 hour book like an audio book uh, good but one, one of the things I took from it was you know when you're doing something it's always going to be in the background to go back to doing that and when the pain becomes too much to, to be here you figure the pain where at now will be less if I go back yep. into this to do yep. this thing and yep. that's a scary scary thought yep. but it's it literally but it all comes down to the blueprint of the subconscious brain it's like we have a conversation this doesn't this is the same coaching is coaching in my opinion well and I you know I've coaching people in fat loss and fitness and, and, and taking them on the journeys through education and everything but it doesn't matter it is the same thing if somebody comes in and loses five stone, ten stone in weight, they will go back to being overweight again until they, ch- unless they change the subconscious brain. And that requires things like throwing away all the old clothes because I don't believe I'm ever going to be that person again. Changing all of your thinking because you'll never be that person again. And when that person, uh, the new person that they are now, and they believe that that is the new person they are now, and their subconscious brain it believes that that is the person that they are right now, and that is who they are, it is their blueprint they won't go back that point you made is a, is a big one and I get people to question themselves you literally just na- nail on the head there of why do people keep their their like fat clothes or their clothes the clothes and they were two or three stone four stone heavier why are you keeping those Like, and it is th- that subconscious of or oh, just in case I go back and that's where you're going to kind of yeah. really hit the I, I, I would just a couple of things because like as I said we could, we could talk about this forever and a day and I really want anybody who's listening to this to get something that they say okay okay yeah Anybody who's listened to this, especially with the anxiety disorder thing, right? Like if somebody's had a panic attack, they have an anxiety disorder. They're okay. Yeah. Regardless of what anyone says, oh, you only had a panic attack. You got an anxiety disorder, right? Okay. If, and there's bad info out there, anybody who tells you that you've got to learn to cope with this, this is you. You've been like this for years. You've just got to learn to live with it and it'll become easier. It is rubbish, Anybody who tells you anything other than that is not giving you good information. With the correct recovery program, anxiety disorder can be completely cured. You will never cure anxiety disorder by the use of medication. If medication is used as a bridging tool to get the person onto a recovery program, fine. Nobody will ever be cured from anxiety disorder by taking medication. Nobody will ever be cured from anxiety disorder uh, by uh, going for uh, massage or smelling certain oils and all these other things I've seen advertised. Anxiety disorder will be cured when the anxious response in the brain and the benchmark level of anxiety in the brain controls the amygdala returns to a level which is suitable for that person which is means that it's turned off. Do you think CBT is a great one? For cognitive us? behavioural therapy is very, very good. Yeah. My biggest issue with cognitive behavioural therapy open to getting shots fired at me <laughs> now is that Number one, it's probably 60, 70, 80 euros for a session or whatever it is. And they get the session once a week. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, somebody who has an anxiety disorder needs to be on a recovery program that they are doing every single day. Yeah, that repetition that needs to be every repetition, single day. Repetition, yeah. repetition, repetition. They need to do it every single day. Because if I teach something to you right now and then I don't see you until this time next week, you would probably forgot certain aspects of what I told you to do and therefore you couldn't implement it properly. Anxiety disorder recovery program is like making a cake. Yeah. 
I can't bake for anything, right? But I'm just saying, it's like making a cake and you have this much sugar and this much milk and this many eggs and this much flour and whatever. If we leave out any little part of that, we still get a cake, but it doesn't taste right. You'd be like, it's nice, but like it's not really as good, you know. Yeah. Uh, but when we get it right and we have all the ingredients exactly how they should be, the cake looks like a cake and tastes really good too. Anxiety Recovery Programme is that, which is the implementation 100%. Listen to this. On top of telling you that you can, that this can be fixed, and I'm telling you it can. There's things that people need to stop doing immediately. People need to stop googling their symptoms or their, whatever they consider to be symptoms, sensations, whatever word you want to use. And the other thing people have to stop doing is stop talking about your anxiety to everybody. And I've seen this with my students on the courses. That would, does, does that not go against speaking about no. you know, your mental health no, and no. stuff? When you get on an anxiety recovery programme, you have one person that you speak to. And a trained person in anxiety recovery knows where the lines are to stop feeding this person's anxiety. Because remember, you're behaving instinctually. Let's say it's you. You're behaving instinctually. Your brain, in order to perpetuate the behaviour that it has, is going to ask you to ask me things which gives you reassurance. Yeah. Now, reassurance is a bit like getting a hit. You give, I give it to you now and you're like, oh, this is great, yeah, and I feel great. And then an hour later, you're like, I need it again. I yeah. need it again. And if I don't get it, I need it again. A trained person will realise that is not in your best interest. So they're not doing it for you. Yeah. They're not going to do it because they've got to, they've got to take this fire and put it out. Okay. And they know the ways to do that. So so we've got all this thing where people say, we need to talk. We need, yes, we do. But we need to talk about the right things. Okay. Talking about your anxiety. So for example, if you were to, if you're in a long-term relationship and it broke up because she or he ran off with your best friend or whatever. whatever. Now, can you imagine, right? You're going to go through the mill but you have to move on. You know you have to move on because it ain't going to be good for your life to stay there. Mm. Now imagine you keep speaking to multiple people every day. A year from now, you're still speaking to people every day and because the speaking about it every day has kept it conscious in your brain that you are this person. It isn't ever going to go away. Speaking about anxiety to people, all the, that's why when you go online and you see that they've got these forms for anxiety, we have people suffering from anxiety disorder, talking to people who are suffering from anxiety disorder, and all they are doing is fueling each other's anxiety. Okay, that's interesting. The recovery programme knows how to stop that. And see, this is where the challenge comes in. So the person believes, oh, well, I was told that you should be speaking about your feelings and speaking about your feelings. yes. Initially, we talk about what it is, what you experience, what you go through. Now we are talking about how to fix it. If we keep, it's like in business or anything else. If we keep practicing the vibration, the thoughts or the patterns of the problem, we are never able to get the solution. But if we keep talking about the solution, the problem will be taken care of. Okay. Yeah, it's good to know. That's very good. Uh, like a couple of things I, want, I definitely want to touch on is just what, what you think. And I know you're obviously an advocate, you're, you, you train PTs, just the, the benefits of like physical training and, and, and physical health on your mental health. Like We know that we should all be exercising. We know that, you know, what you or I do as exercise may not be for the next person, but we should all be exercising in our own way and doing something that we enjoy. anxiety and, and, and sort of all the things that go with mental health issues, you, usually what you'll experience with that person is, you know, high levels of adrenaline in the body all the time and that adrenaline doesn't feel good. Yeah. And it blunts the responses to other hormones that make you feel good. Okay. So exercise increases your endorphins. So we've often talked about endorphins. What are endorphins feel good? It comes from the word endogenous morphine. Endogenous means from within and morphine and we know as a painkiller. But endogenous morphine is like our own morphine made in here. It makes us feel good. Mm -hmm. Serotonin levels, happy hormones, all of, all of the things increase. So we sort of have, when somebody is suffering by exercising, um, it gives them a separation from the issue as well as it being really good for them. We could talk all day in this. Now, here's the other side of this, right? Which might be of value to some people. When somebody is in the midst of suffering, and I mean really suffering, be it from anxiety disorder or something like that, high intensity exercise is not good for them. 
It's an extra stress. It's an extra stress on the yeah. body. However, what they recommend, and what they recommend, what if you look at all the research from the people who really know about this stuff, the Americans are brilliant with this. Mm. The British are really good at it. We're not great. <laughs> we're okay. There's certain people in this country who are brilliant, by the way. Yeah. But, but as a country, we're probably not great with all this. Yet, yeah. a rhythmical exercise for 10 minutes in a row will help to reset. Now, what do I mean by that? R- walking. Do you ever hear somebody say, oh, Jesus, something was driving me mad. I went for a walk and I felt better. And they yeah. say, the fresh air did me oh, good. Yeah. It wasn't just the fresh air. It's that rhythmical motion. Walk, step, 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 step. Brain's picking up on this, on this. Sort of just helps to calm everything down. So what happens basically is when we are anxious, when something is bothering us, when we have anxiety disorder, when there's something wrong, we activate the, the sympathetic nervous system. And the sympathetic nervous system is part of all this fight or flight and, and, and all this. And then what we, what we need to do is we need to be able to hear the parasympathetic nervous system, which comes in and goes, calm down. And in a lot of people who are perpetually uh, suffering, the response is almost like they, they can't feel or hear it. That's metaphorical now, right? Yeah. This parasympathetic nervous system, which is going, relax, yeah. shut down. It's just constant going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And... So, so the benefits of exercise is one thing. The benefits of nutrition, you know. Now, I mean, we could talk about this all day. If anybody wants to make contact with me, feel free to make contact with, with me. Yeah, can uh, we go? Can this. we go there with uh, what time is yeah for another ten minutes? Uh, can How we go? How long are we talking? An hour. Really? Yeah. Uh, is it an hour? Is that yeah. True? Yeah. Maybe another, another ten minutes. Yeah. Okay. We'll be done. okay. Uh, but like nutrition, look. For me, it's obviously it's it's the key in my opinion, to, to health, okay? For me, it's it's the one of the biggest blocks. Uh, why are people so confused, lost, afraid to trust uh, in, you know, that eating well, improving your diet, looking at your diet, looking at your nutrition and your, your intake of alcohol, etc., that kind of stuff. Why are people so hesitant to just go, right, this will help me overall in my health? Like, what's the issue? Like... <laughs> A lot of people want proof of something yes. before they will be willing to do it. We can't do that. Yeah, unless you look at somebody you else, prove you, can, you can look at somebody else. But we're all different. We're all we all have different innate uh, capabilities. We all have different genetics. We all have different families. And you know, like you could be prone to get. If you have a nutritional deficiency, you could be prone to something that I will never get. And if I get a different nutritional deficiency, I can get something that you'll never get. It is what it is. Hmm. Um, I suppose people don't. Do people just don't want to make an investment in themselves? You know, la- mm, I don't want to name anybody. Uh, I was talking to somebody last night. At, uh, I was at a meeting last night, and uh, somebody was saying to me, "Yeah, I, you know, I really I want to do something about my fitness. I really want to get rid of this and point to their belly or whatever, um, but I don't want to do X, Y, and Z." And I said, "Well, I'm sorry then." Yeah. <laughs> like, you you cannot. It's it's like I want to have my cake and eat it. Yeah. I want to be really successful. I want loads of money and have a big car and a big house and a happy family. But I don't really want to work though. Hundred yeah, percent. I'm sorry. It just doesn't work. People need to get real. But okay, it's hard to answer that question you're asking because there's so many reasons why somebody would not want to make that investment. Well, that's one of the issues that it's so individual. It is. Like you can't really. And this is the issue we're having with people being unhealthy, uh, be, being overweight, being obese. Uh, it's that we're trying to solve things. I've seen like uh, an article from you know the government about what they're doing for health, and it's like we're just like just throwing stuff at the wall. What's going to like see what sticks see there? What sticks, nothing. Yeah, yeah. And like they're trying stuff, but it's just it's just not enough, in my opinion. I solely believe is that if someone becomes educated, okay, and I mean no, the ba- forget what we know, the absolute basics on fundamentals of nutrition, exercise, sleep, stress that we do, everyone knows we need it, and we, and we but like you have like the complete knowledge of just. This is what I need to do basically just to live healthier, to not gain weight, to, to you know, have, have a better life, have more energy. If they know that, then that's when it becomes a choice. If yeah. they don't know that, it, there's no choice there's no to be choice. made. It's just a case, this is, what I've, this is how my life has been, this is what I've always done. Like people who are 15, 16 have been fed and told what to do for those 15, 16 years. Mm. So if the parents don't know what, like, and if the parents aren't educated so they don't know, this is what they've always done. And they passed it on to their kids. This kid is hitting 15, 16, is overweight, is having issues, is having like, mental health problems because of being overweight. Then, like, that, that's 15 years of, have we said, neuropathways that is happening, that that's created, this, this is their normality. It's an instinctual behaviour, yeah. So, is the issue, like, instead of us, ta- like, I know we need to educate the teenagers and, and, and but, like, 
the parents need to be tackled. It's oh, absolutely. Like, like, find a way to educate them. I think people think they have to do a nutrition course. I'm like, no, you don't. No. It's like yeah. basic stuff. That is probably one of the reasons is because with the advent of social media the way it is now, that people are... When you say to somebody, I want to eat healthy, in their mind, they are casting the picture of that seriously fit girl or guy that they saw on Instagram and they're thinking, I can't be like that. And that's the truth. They won't be like that. No. So, 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 so they have sort of preconceived ideas of what goes along with that. People don't realise that in this age of social media, and we talked about this the last time we did a video, which is, it is not as difficult as people think. It is really basic. And I think when people do sit down to do it, they realise, gee, I could have been doing this for years. Yeah. This is not difficult. It doesn't mean you give up your life. It doesn't mean you can't go out with your friends. It doesn't mean you can't eat a bit of, ch- you can't eat your dessert or whatever it is after you. It doesn't mean any of those things. It just means bringing a balance to your life, which allows you to have all the experiences you want, but you're physically and mentally healthy. Yeah, I think it's it, for me. It's as a woman in with us, she's lost twenty four kilos, and I was like, you know, hasn't done anything special. She's just been consistent. It's over a year, and she, I was just like, what? What have you done? She goes, Ian, we've just like, so we've listened to your talks. We've kind of, I've just changed a few little things. I uh, haven't changed much, but she's, that's what that's. And I'm like, ah, I'm like, that's what it is. I'm like, if everyone yeah. can just understand that and, and just make a move and make, yeah, is the absolute key. You, really, you, you know what? Like, I sort of feel about all this. Um, like, we've touched on so many things today. And what I'd like people to know is you and I could do an hour-long podcast on nutrition for mental health. You and I could do an hour-long podcast on the importance of sleep for physical and mental health. You and I could do a podcast for an hour on exercise. We could do a podcast for an hour on so many other things that we've talked about today. And the danger of it is is that you sort of, we we, we sort of brush over so many topics. I don't want anybody to think that none of those topics you could actually dive deep into each one of them. Yeah, I I think people have to understand as well, like, a lot of people just want to be told, here, tell me what to do. And those days have got to go if you're going to really change. It needs yeah. to be you to learn what yeah, to do. Learn. Yeah. Uh, because if, if, I'm, if I'm telling you what to, what to do as a coach even uh, in nutrition or exercise or whatever, as soon as I'm gone from your life, you don't have that. You, don't, you, haven't, you haven't got that knowledge to know, right, I'm, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. The goal is to get as to, to 90-year-olds and be as physically capable and mentally capable as possible. Yeah. In my opinion, that that's, should be everyone's yeah. goal, you know. And yeah, yeah. The way, there are ways, there are proven studies of ways of imp- increasing your chance of getting there yeah. is through these six or yeah. seven things that we've touched on. Like, yeah. you know, so. And look, people have to always understand, you know, like they talk about um, Einstein's theory of insanity, which is to do the same thing over and over, expecting at some stage you're going to get a different result. Can't do that. If you do what you always did, you will get what you always got. Mm. You have to be prepared for that. Yeah. Um, That's also it's it. That's us, That's isn't it? brilliant. Well, yeah. we could uh, keep going. We definitely could talk all day. So I just want to thank Alan very, very much for coming in. As I said, uh, New Minds College. Uh, New Minds Fitness in College in January. If there's anybody thinking about art in a career in fitness, and I'll also have some courses and upcoming upskilling courses for uh, existing professionals as well. So if they want to have a look at the social media there, give us a like I or whatever. I can personally vouch for Alan. He's my first tutor uh, as a PT and excellent educator. Uh, couldn't recommend it highly enough. So definitely if you're interested in getting in, I'd, I'd recommend getting in touch. Uh, thanks for listening and uh, episode four. As per usual, just make sure if we want you to share the podcast, if you liked it, we want to reach as many people as possible and help as many people as possible. Anybody who does share it would be a chance of winning our competition over a weekend survival guide and our recipe book. And we will be back in a couple of weeks time for episode five. Thank you very much. Hey.